Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, and your favorite casino and card games are available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Get in on the action and remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, uh, we um, we deserve to hold our glasses up high, some champagne toast, because we need to congratulate uh, a couple of Dodgers here to start off the show. Let's start off on a on a positive note, and that is Federico Federico Freeman reaching two thousand hits, uh, which he looked like he. I, I don't know if he was trying to. Uh, he was putting pressure on himself because. He was struggling over the weekend against uh, the Astros of Houston. He needed two hits for a while, but then he ended up pulling through and he got to the 2000. So uh, congratulations, Federico. That is a great accomplishment. And like the Dodgers so often do, they raise their champagne glass for him in the clubhouse. And then in this road trip here to Colorado, J.D. Martinez hits his 300th home run. And of course, he got it all over in one game. He's like, screw this. You know, after he hit 299, let me hit 300. So they, another champagne toast to JD Martinez. Um, let's, let's take a look at these separately here, babyface. First of all, 2000 hits from, for Federico. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, that's another one of those, I think, uh, incredible accomplishments. And I think too, I think. Th- I saw another stat where he has the 2,000 hits, and then I think he has, what is it, like 200 home runs or something like that, right, that that, that Freddie Freeman has. So it's like, uh, it's, it's. I mean, he's in one of those, like, even. Federico has over 300 home runs, by well, the way. Was, okay, so it's 2,000 hits, 306. Okay, yeah, so he's in, like, very rarefied air of, like, the number of people that have actually done that, you know. So, you know, he's definitely, you know, we kind of mentioned this in our prior episode with Garvey, you know, Hall of Fame stuff. Like, he's definitely on that path, right? I mean, would you say that, that he is on that path to going into the Hall of Fame? Yes. Um, I, I think, Freddie, he's been so good for for so long. I mean, this is his 14th season. And, of course, we already started hearing the conversations of, can he get to 3,000? If he gets to 3,000 hits, he is definitely a lock to get into the Hall of Fame. But even if he falls short, uh, unless these last few years of his career, uh, he is either crippled by injury or you're, he just completely falls off the cliff, 
I, I still, even if he doesn't get to 3,000 hits, I still think he has a very good case of making it to the Hall of Fame. And this is me separating my own personal belief. We talked about it on the episode with Esteban Garve, where I just feel no daughter should be in the Hall of Fame. But going off of the criteria that is being used now for players to get into the Hall of Fame, I think Federico makes a very strong case. I mean, Federico is a lifetime, he has a lifetime batting average of 299. And I know we live in an era or we see them in an era where batting average doesn't count. That's still ridiculous. And if Federico, how much, how many more years does he have on his contract? Baby face. He's, what he said, his sixth year deal, right? With the Dodgers. So I think four? so, so four more years. So more than likely he's not going to get to 3000 in a Dodger uniform. So the question is, is when his contract is up with the Dodgers, how far away is he going to be from 3,000 hits? And does he go back to Atlanta and chase the 3,000 hits with the Bravos? Or does he try to see if he can get another deal out of the Dodgers and get 3,000 hits here? Because, you know, it was really interesting to hear him uh, when they were down in Anaheim he wanted to do it there in Anaheim. He wanted to get to 2,000 hits in Anaheim because he was raised, you know, just down the street there in El Medina High School, the pride of El Medina, Federico. So I, I just, to me, it's just been such a pleasure to see Federico hit every day. That dude is a hitting machine. He is, to me, uh, he is the definition of what a baseball player is. Uh, he, and he plays every day. He shows up every day, and he's he's thirty three, right? So he has, if, if it's correct, right? You know, four more years of the Dodgers, right? It's like thirty seven. I mean, he's the type of player though that he's one of those guys that hits, right? They just yes. hit. So you know, you can see him hitting until like he's forty at least, right? So you know, if he plays another seven years, I mean, he's gonna do it. Just kind of depends that he stays healthy. And Ian, who does he get that next contract from, right? Yeah. I mean, I just, I hope, I hope he stays healthy. I would love to see him get to it because he, I, I just, um, it, it's a great accomplishment. And I'm, I'm very happy for Federico. Uh, JD Martinez, I just, you know, has been such, I mean, 300 home runs, man. That is nothing to, 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 you know, sniff about. I mean, he is just, 300 home runs, man. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always caught up with the fact that the magic number, the magic numbers in baseball, especially when it came to the Hall of Fame, were 3,000 for hits and then 500 for home runs. J.D. Martinez is not going to get there. But J.D. Martinez is 35 years old. He's had himself a very good career. A lot like, and don't get this wrong, he, I don't think he's had the same impact that Esteban Garve has had with one team, but he has more home runs than Esteban in his career. So there's nothing wrong with the career that JD Martinez has had. He's had a hell of a career. I mean I think we're 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 calling that a little bit too early, right? Because we don't know what could happen the rest of the year. I mean Dodgers could get into the playoffs, they get into the World Series and JD Martinez has that walk off game-winning home run. Now, what type of career does he have with the Dodgers? Wow, that's your hot take. The Stephen A. Smith Hot Take Award goes to uh, Babyface here. You're trying to say right now that J.D. Martinez just dingers. Might. I'm not saying you're not, and I'm, I want to make sure you're not saying this, but might 
end up in the same annals as Esteban Garve that Dodger fans are going to talk about just dingers the same way they talk about Esteban Garve. I mean, I'm saying don't close the book yet because we're halfway through the I'm saying it could happen. Anything could happen, right? Going forward, you know, get, get in October and you never know what happens in October, right? Yeah, but I mean, here's a guy, he's got a lifetime, just over 1,500 hits, just to put it into perspective what Federico was doing, right? He's two years older. J.D. Martinez is two years older than Federico, and Federico's already at 2,000 hits. So it's a tribute to the players, and this is my argument all along. Everybody that plays in the Major League Baseball, in Major League Baseball is good, but they are just some that are just an, an upper tier, and those are the ones that I I just des- I feel deserve a special recognition. I mean, but also too, like you know, okay, we 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 understand what these guys are doing on the field for the Dodgers, right? Both, I mean, JD Martinez having a phenomenal season for the Dodgers, right? I mean, and and so far the two years that we've had Freddie Freeman, incredible career so far as a Dodger, right? But we got to think of Andrew Friedman as well. I mean, these are. Deals. I mean, the JD Martinez yeah. one year, ten million, right? The contract that Freddie Freeman got. I mean, these are steals for these guys. You know, you know. Obviously, we still got more time on, on Freddie Freeman, but one year, ten year, ten million for JD Martinez. I mean, that that's a steal. And that's one of the, one of the reasons why I've always. That is my trepidation. This is why I, I have pause when it comes to. We're going to switch over to the Shohei the Shohei Otani show. When people say, hey, the Dodgers are a lock to get Otani, the Dodgers like to make contracts on their terms, and they don't like to lose deals. And you just cited two perfect examples. I think Federico is is underpaid. For the performance, the numbers, the productivity that you get from Federico, he's outplayed the contract that he has with the Dodgers. right? But that's Andrew Friedman. So that's what gives me a little bit of pause with uh, Shohei Otani. Because it's just like, yeah, they're not going to just pull up the Brinks trunk for him, right? They're going to try to get him at a deal that is best for them. But, I mean, those two guys, once again, I wanted to start off the show with positive, great accomplishments, and it was great to see that the Dodgers were celebrating them. Uh, I want to segue into uh, the other hot topic recently, and that's that's injuries. Um a couple of injuries, the good and the bad, right? Uh, let's get into it. So we were down in Rancho Cucamonga. We got a chance to see Julio uh, on his rehabs assignment. And now it has been announced that Julio will be starting in Kansas City on Saturday against the Royals. Uh, we, If you haven't seen the interview that we did with Julio, go to our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe it. It is only available on the YouTube channel. Uh we asked him if how he was feeling. He felt good. He sure did look good, right? And I will preface it by saying he was facing single-A competition. I mean, even the guys in the booth who were calling the game were just talking about – what. do you remember what the numbers were on the drop on his curveball, babyface, how much it was dropping? I don't remember, like, the, the numbers. I mean, but, yeah, yeah I mean, he was looking ridiculous, and he was making – you know, some of these single-A guys just, like, I mean, they, like, they've never played baseball, right? I mean, they, it, it, I mean, he was making them look pretty silly up there. And, I mean, and that's kind of, I mean, you don't even, 
you know, I've heard a lot of people saying like, well, that's what you kind of expect. I mean, you don't kind of really expect that. I mean, yeah, you'll see it here and there, but he's not there trying to dominate them, right? He's, he's there trying to just get his work in. He's coming back from injury, kind of make sure his pitches are working. He's not getting hurt, right? And everything's back to normal. You know, if he got hit a little bit here and there, it's totally normal and nothing to even worry about, right? He's just kind of getting his work in. But, um, but like you said, he just looked really good that day. Eight strikeouts and four innings of work. He was throwing a lot of strikes. He made 60 pitches right on the dot. And he had, I think, either 45 or 46 strikes. So he, he was throwing strikes. So I hope that, in, and look, there's going to be a difference. I know it's the Kansas City Royals, but those are major leaguers out there. So if Julio comes back healthy and we got and we get to see the Julio that we saw last year, that's going to be huge for the Dodgers. Because what we just saw the other night was Clayton Kershaw, who was throwing a no-hitter. He gave up one hit through six innings of work, pulling himself out of the game. Because I thought he was going to go out for one more inning. But then Spectrum Sportsnet LA showed the video of Kershaw telling Dave Roberts he was done. Now, there was a lot of speculation. Dave Roberts has now come out and said that it was not his back, that that is not the injury. I know there's been a lot of speculation that maybe the altitude got to Kershaw. Kershaw is older now. Um, maybe it was a fatigue thing. He had mentioned that he just didn't feel right. Um, your level of concern, babyface, on Clayton Kershaw. I mean, I don't think I'm that concerned, right? Because I think, I think they would have said something right by now. Uh, it's it just. To me, it just feels weird. Like, it's kind of like, why is it being so, like, secretive or, like, low-key? Like, you know, yesterday, like, Kershaw really didn't want to say what was bugging him. And then Dave Roberts said, like, you know, it's not his back. You know, he came he came in. He did his work. And so, but I'll let, I'll let Kershaw let you know. And then and then, and then then by that time, Kershaw is not available. He wasn't in, in the locker room. And it's like, Okay, so what are we finally going to hear what Kershaw has to say? Are they going to try and talk to him after the game in Colorado, or are they, or is it going to be till the next day? It's like, it's like why, why the you know the secrecy, you know? Well, Dave Roberts did say today he would not be opposed to an IL stint because right now Kershaw is scheduled to start against the Piratas of Pittsburgh next week in Los Angeles, uh, but Roberts is completely okay. With Kershaw missing that start, he would then get the all-star break. He would get a lot of rest. And then coming back from the all-star break, you throw Kershaw out there. So is this maybe just a fatigue thing? Is this one of those things where we just take this dude for granted? I mean, this is his 16th year. This is his 16th year. He's got 10 wins on the season. He's got an ERA of under three, 2.55. Anybody in Major League Baseball would take that ERA. But a dude in his 16th year doing this, is this just Kershaw finally showing he's human? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, his, his numbers are, like, right up there. Like, and if you look at all his his uh, pitching categories, he's, like, probably, like, top five or whatever, at least top ten, like, in, like, pretty much everything. And remember last year he started the All-Star game, right, because it was in L.A., and, you know, there was a lot of made out of that. But he, he was having a, a good season last year going into the All-Star and I think he's having a better season this year going into the All-Star game, right? So, the thing, yeah. I mean, I think he makes the All-Star team, right? Whether he plays in it or even, you know. I, I don't or, think I don't think he plays yeah. in it. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, if, if he gets in, he doesn't play in it. Yeah, and I think I was thinking too, like the way the pitching would line up. You know, if he got pushed back or whatever, I don't think he'd be even eligible to play in it. So, you know, he might. I mean, if he makes the team, I don't even know if he'd go. You know, probably just take that time to relax at home. Look, I mean, we hear all about this all the time about the altitude in Denver, and I think we just take it for granted, right? Because we see these athletes play through it, you know. But it could be that maybe that's what it is—that it, it finally got to Kershaw. But it—they're throwing a bullpen game, right? They love to get these guys extra days rest. The other thing that concerns me is Tony Gonsolin. I think didn't he get pulled after sixty pitches on Sunday uh, against the Astros? He made two mistakes. It was those home runs that he gave up. Now they've made a big deal about his recovery time. I, uh, I don't know what's going on with Tony Gonsolin. Is Tony Gonsolin healthy? Is he not healthy? Because this is the thing that concerns me. Is they are so careful in getting these guys, you know, giving them extra days rest and and making sure we can get them through the the season. But it sounds like these guys are, aren't healthy. Like, what's going on with Gonsolin? Yeah, and this goes back, I think, a couple, a couple of starts now. Like, you know, they didn't know. Like, you know, Roberts was talking about, like, yeah, his recovery. We don't know yet. Like, this was prior to like uh, an outing. Like, he didn't know if he was gonna make his next scheduled one after then. After that outing, he said, okay, yeah, he's fine. He'll go. He'll go the next round. But he hasn't been sharp in June at all. Like, you know, he's had pretty bad outings in June. And is it the recovery? Is it just you know he's not recovering in time to go for the next? you know, his next start. I mean, uh, do they got to keep, you know, pushing him back somehow or, or, or like you said, is, is he injured and does he need to go on the IL? I mean, if he has a lower pitch count than everyone else, I, I just, I found it very interesting. I mean, it was a four to one ball game at that point. He had only made 60 pitches. The bullpen is, is overworked. I mean, this was coming off of a game that you had to go to the bullpen a lot, the prior game. So, why Roberts had such a quick hook with him, I, I don't know if it was because he was trying to go for the sweep or there is something wrong with Gonsolin. I mean, this is the thing that, that concerns me is, again, the, the pitchers, we keep saying these guys are going to get healthy. These guys are going to get healthy. It was just reported that Dustin May just barely started playing catch. So Dustin May hasn't even started a throwing program. So... I know everyone is like, I'm a one and I'm on the record of saying it. I don't think Dustin May is coming back this season, right? But people, there's still the belief that, oh, we're going to get Walker Bueller back in September. I, I Look, what am I getting at? I'm getting at the fact that there's a lot of holes in the pitching. If you're going to go to the trade deadline, what is the most expensive thing at the trade deadline? That's pitching. That's pitching, and you're going to be competing against all these other teams because the wild card is really jumbled right now. All these people are going to want to go for pitching too. Uh, so I, I just it, – it's a struggle for me because I just – how much longer can this team go and continue to try to overcome these injuries? I mean, I, 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 this is a shout-out to my compadre. The Yankees with Aaron Judge, and I know a lot of Yankee fans right now are angry with the Dodgers because the Dodgers, the Dodger Stadium fence defeated Aaron Judge. 
But look what's happened to the Yankees without Aaron Judge, right? So they've completely they're they're struggling, and that's just with one guy missing, right? And now they have other injuries, but Aaron Judge is a big part of that team. The Dodgers, I think, have a lot of injuries, so they've been. I mean, they're competitive. They're only three games out of first place. I just if these if something happens with Gonsolin, if something happens with Kershaw. It's okay. Now we get Urias back, but we're still in the same situation where we're throwing a bullpen game every fifth day. Sometimes we're going to do back-to-back bullpen games because we got to give these starters an extra day. Emmett Sheehan is a is a young dude. I think Emmett Sheehan could have pitched on Wednesday in Colorado, but the Dodgers are very conservative. They don't. They want to give him more rest. He'll probably pitch on Thursday now. In Colorado, that's on six days rest. Yeah, and I and that's the thing too with the, with the pitching, right? Like uh, you know, you had the injuries with with Julio and and, and Dustin May, right? And, and then we don't know what's going on with Gonsolin. Then you know, we got Emmett Sheehan. We're like, okay, things are looking up, right? Julio's coming back. Things are looking up. And then you know, we had Bobby Miller, and like Bobby Miller was just been great. But now a little concerned with Bobby Miller, right? Like his last two outings, it seems like he's cruising. And then he gets into a bit of trouble, and it just snowballs on him. It's like once he hits that, that those rough patches, like he doesn't know like how to get out of it. Like, is that concerning to you? No, I think those are growing pains. Those are things that he's going to have to learn how to deal with. And I mean, look, we can't, we can't as as great as he looked in his first four starts. I don't think we can lose sight of the fact that the guy's a rookie, you know, and. Yes, we've seen it before. We've seen these other rookies dominate and stuff like that. But baseball is hard, right? And and you can see how important the mental aspect of playing sports, baseball, is because you're right. The two la- the last two games, it's been one inning where the wheels have completely fallen off on Bobby Miller. And right now, the Dodgers need him. They can't afford for him to go the route Gavin Stone went because Gavin Stone is getting beat up in the minors right now. So you, you have to wonder, hopefully, that Bobby Miller's not getting into his head, that he's not overcome, you know, overthinking things. You hope that, I mean, this is a dude that has four pitches. You hope that they're telling him, trust your stuff, trust your stuff. And he learns from this experience. You know, if he can bounce back and have a strong outing in Kansas City, that was going to be very encouraging for him. Uh, but I, I, I'm not concerned now, um, only because the dude has the stuff. As Cody Snavy, contributor of the Bleed Lows podcast, has told us, that is the difference between him and Gavin Stone. You know, it's he's got extra pitches. He can get players out. It's just, I think right now, it's just he gets very flustered. And it's very noticeable on there. And I think that's just something that comes with learning. I mean, if you've been successful your whole life and you face adversity for the first time, I don't know anybody who handles adversity that well the first time. Do you? Yeah. I mean, like you said, I think it's just part of the, the growing pains, right? Like, you know, you know, he may have, you know, he's faced adversity obviously in the, in you know, coming up through baseball and the minors and stuff, but now it's at a different level, right? In 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 MLB, right? It's a show the top, the highest, the highest 
you know point right so i think because it's it's like really snowballed like really fast right it's like yeah. you know he gives up a run here and then all of a sudden he can't get a, you know the next five six guys out it so it's like he needs to kind of just okay take a step back and then kind of just get back into his game and i think that's kind of what's thrown him off and i think once he gets back you know okay like okay you know some guys got on some guys scored and he kind of just settles back in and kind of gets back into his groove i think you know he'll, he'll be fine well, I mean, and that's the other thing. I mean, they're depending on a lot of rookies. There are a lot of, I mean, there is one guy, one rookie that we really haven't talked a lot about, and that's Miguel Vargas. And I think that the rope is starting to get a little shorter with him now. Dave Roberts has talked a lot about maybe giving him more days off. I know, you know, Alonzo uh, has mentioned that his swing just does not look like the swing he had last year, I, I, it does look like, and I know once again, contributor Cody Snavely has brought this up. It looks like he's not following through. So that's another guy that I don't know if he's in his head right now because he's thinking so much about mechanics and that has thrown him off, but that's not the kind of productivity that you were expecting from him. The one thing I will say, I have been pleasantly surprised with his defense at second base, I did not think he would be this good defensively at second base. And the fact that he's not hitting has not affected his defense. I want to give him credit for that and, and, you know, kudos for that kind of stuff. But I am curious to see what's going to happen now. Uh, I want to address one of the things that you had mentioned before, and that was, Max Muncy came off of the injured list, and Michael Bush got sent down. And Yoni Hernandez got called up, and you're just like, why Yoni? I mean, why are you sending Michael Bush down? I have a theory on that, and I want to throw it by you, babyface. You let me know if you agree. Michael Bush getting sent down, that to me is signaling that perhaps Mookie Betts is going to spend more time in the infield now than he is in the outfield, especially since Jason Hayward is having a solid season. You can have Jason Hayward out in the outfield, and guess what? James Altman is starting to look a little better, right? It looks like maybe James Altman is starting to make the adjustment now to the adjustment the league made to him. So if you have Altman and Hayward being productive, David Peralta has been on a hot streak, then maybe... You can put Mookie Betts in the infield more. That means you could put Mookie Betts at second. If you had Max Muncy, even though, unfortunately, Max Muncy is under 200 again. Dave Roberts is loyal to his veterans. So Max Muncy is going to get that majority of the time at third base. So if Muncy's going to play third base and you're going to see Mookie more at second base, you kind of that means that Michael Bush is not going to have any playing time. And it, to me... You want that guy playing every day because you want to keep his bat. You want to keep his bat hot, right? Am I off on that theory? I mean, that, that makes sense too. But I mean, it, yeah, you want to keep Michael Bush in there, but you know, okay, he's going to go back to OKC, right? And what's he probably going to do? He's probably going to continue to hit over there and right and, yeah. and, and kill it, right? But what good is he in OKC, right? Like, like. That move kind of didn't make sense. So, like, you know, with with Yoni, because like, it's like, would you rather have Michael Bush or would you rather have Yoni? Like, I, I, I think. But if you're just gonna keep Michael Bush on the bench, no, I mean, I think but Michael Bush, they've had him in there, right? I mean, today, Matt, you know, the the game, you know, 
Wednesday, right? Uh, no, no Max Muncy, right? Because he's just coming back from his injury, right? Yeah. Bush could Bush could play third, right? Bush yeah. could play Bush could play second, right? If you if you're gonna give Miguel Vargas some time, Bush could play second. Bush could also play in the outfield, right? If you want to spell, you know, Perota or you know, somebody in the outfield, he could play out there as well. So I think Michael Bush can get playing time, and and I think he's kind of shown that he's been doing pretty good up at this level as well, right? You know, obviously, maybe if he played every day, maybe we see something different with him, good or bad, right? But, I mean, I think he's he's adjusting to to this league as well, and I think, you know, I think maybe he, he deserves some more time still being up, I think. I agree with you. I, I would have preferred to see Michael Bush stay up on the big league roster. But I'm just saying... I'm trying to look at it the way they look at things. I think we've known this team, this organization long enough that we can figure out the reason why they make certain decisions. I think the other thing that factors in is that Michael Bush is a left-handed bat. If you keep him out, even if you put him in the outfield, Peralta's already left-handed, Altman's left-handed, Hayward's left-handed. They become more lefty-heavy, and you know these are the guys that love Hey, left-handers on the mound. We got to have an all-right-handed lineup, except for Federico. So they love to do those options. But I, I agree with you. I, I hate to see Michael Bush go down just because it seemed like he was starting to get a little more comfortable. Did you see that? I, I at least to me, he felt more comfortable at the plate. I mean, I've, I've kind of seen that since he's been up. I don't think he's been intimidated at all. I mean, you go back to like his first call up, like. At the beginning of the year, like when he had that big hit in San Diego, right, and then uh, that one game, I think it was a Sunday game, right, and then Alman hit the hit the home run after him, right. I mean, since since then, I mean, he's been he's looked good, like at the plate, like he he doesn't look intimidated, you know. He's he looks like a big league hitter, and you know, I I, I want to see him up at this level, see and continue to see what he does, you know. But I do agree with you. I think they are playing Mookie. Uh, you know, I've been, I've seen a lot of stuff. I'm saying like, should Mookie be like? Just your everyday shortstop. Just go with him. Just just put him there permanently for the rest of the year. You know. Well, if you do that, you don't have to worry about training a short for a shortstop. I know in the beginning of the year, or even recently, everybody's talking about Tim Anderson, Tim Anderson. But Tim Anderson's not having a good season, and Tim Anderson's going to cost you a lot. So you always want to go ahead and see if you have in-house solutions. Clearly, maybe the in and Mookie has shown. I mean, he has surprised me with his defense at shortstop. And I know it was one of those things I heard, like, he came up as an infielder. He was drafted as an infielder. So this should not be a surprise to everyone that he can play the infield. But, look, it's still the major leagues. He's playing major league shortstop, right? So if that is the in-house solution, is because Miguel Rojas is great defensively, but the bat, unfortunately is not at the level of his defense. And sooner or later, this lineup is so top-heavy, you know, that you hope maybe if James Outman starts turning around, and that's, I think, where the disappointment is with Miguel Vargas, is that you're not getting that production. And if you had that production at the bottom of the lineup, it helps solve a lot of these problems, right? I mean, there was a period, yeah, they swept the Angels, but they scored two runs in each game. So it's not like the offense is completely clicking on all cylinders sometimes. So well, one of those games was against Shohei as well. Shohei Otani. So 
There, there we go. We got our obligatory Shohei Otani mention here before we become the Shohei Otani show. I, I want to s- switch to a topic, and I don't know if you saw this. Our friends at Baseball is Not Boring had a very interesting interview with Kenley Jansen. And this is a conversation that we have brought up. We talked with Jorge Castillo when he was on the show, when he did his piece on Kenley and with Justin. And I asked Jorge, have you asked these guys why all of a sudden they're okay? with playing for Alex Cora. And the fact that the Astros were just here uh, this weekend, there was still that whole debate. I know a lot of the Dodger fans were upset that people were telling them, hey, get over it. Get over it. It happened a long time ago. And Bill Plaschke wrote a whole article basically saying you should boo them. But there's only two Astros left on that team from that 2017. And those guys did get booed this weekend. Right. So obviously that that is not going to go away. But our our friends at Baseball is Not Boring uh, had a conversation with Kenley Jansen. And Kenley Jansen said that they met the Dodgers that were on that 2017 team that are now playing for the Las Medias Rojas. Kike, Justin Turner and Kenley Jansen had a meeting with Alex Cora. And basically, Alex Cora apologized to them. And Kenley Jansen, it it seems like Kenley has been the most emotional out of the three of those Dodgers. Uh, And I thought it was really interesting. His comment was, it was like, that was like one of the best seasons I ever had. No one could touch me. And then all of a sudden, I got hit hard. And you're reminded uh, when we say, get over it, get over it, like, This is a guy who could have won two World Series. And those teams, everybody looks at the 2020 World Series as a Mickey Mouse. But if you win two World Series, that Dodger team is looked at differently. They're looked at as as a success. They're not looked at as, oh, you guys only won World Series. Uh, What are your thoughts on the fact that Alex Cora came clean to them and these guys were like, all right, Thanks for doing that. We're going to put it behind you, and we're going to play for you now. I mean, I was reading that article, and, you know, Kenley said, you know, he, like, he felt like crying. You know, I think it was more to do with because, you know, he was saying that 2017 year was just, like, such a special year, right, and he did so yeah. well, right, and then at the end, you know, it, it got taken from him. But he appreciated that Cora, you know, manned up and, 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 and came forward and, and just kind of just he laid it out. Right. I mean, I mean, I get it. You know, it's it's their job. They got you know. They, this is their manager, and they got to play for him, right? I mean, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's still hard. Like you said, you know, it's it's hard for. It'd be hard for me. I know if I was a player, it'd still be hard because it's like, what if the Dodgers? Those you know, those guys did you know go ahead and win. They they won in twenty twenty, right? All those guys, Kike, Justin, they're all still together. What if they don't win, right? Does that change their their mentality now in 2017? Because like they got there, they could have won, they should have won, and then they didn't. Because it's, do they feel different? Like do they feel different about it? Well, I I you know it's very to to tie it to. I, I think now we understand why 2020 was so important to those Dodger players. I think a lot of them knew it was going to be their last hurrah. They weren't going to be on the team. It makes me think of that Dodgers that 1981 Dodgers team the one that lost in 77 and 78 to the Yankees. 
And they finally got over in 81, and they finally won the World Series. And then the next year, the team got broken up. And so what I find really interesting is I wonder what Kike was thinking, because Kike has been there for a while now playing for the Media Rojas, and it's like, now we get the apology once Kenley Jansen, and I think it's a tribute again to the amount of respect that Justin Turner carries. Justin Turner shows up to the Medias Rojas this year, and all of a sudden we get an apology from Alex Cora. And Turner was another one, but I feel like Turner was very, like he was upset with Manfred about the piece of metal content comment. Like to me, it seemed like Turner was the one who showed his emotions of anger a little more than the other guys on that team. So uh, do you think that's how it went down, that Justin Turner all of a sudden shows up in Boston, he gets geek and Canley and says, come on, we got to talk to him about this. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to think that maybe Kiki and Cora never talked about it because Kiki and Cora are pretty close. I mean, they're pretty tight. Yeah. So, so like, I'm sure that conversation must have come up and, you know, now maybe they just included the other guys and, like, he kind of, but you know, I mean, to me, like I said, personally, like how I feel about it, like, I think it's still, it's still open, you know, it's still like, cause nothing was ever officially done to like really to, to close it. And I think as long as, you know, like I said, I still believe, you know, if Manfred wanted to come out and say, you know what, we're not going to recognize that 2017 title anymore, you can still do it. Right. I mean, they do that with like Heisman trophies, like all the time. Right. So a Heisman Trophy is not a World Series championship. I mean, I, I get it, but it's still an award, right? It's still an award yeah. that was given, given, and and I think you can still go back and 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 say, you know what, we're not going to recognize that. And I think, I think if that would have been done, and I and, and I think many Dodger fans feel the same way. If that would have been done or is done, they say, you know what, we are not recognizing the 2017 World Championship. A lot of fans now, as Astro fans or whoever say, get over it, we'll get over it. Because now we know, okay, we didn't win it, but you're not recognizing them as the champions because, you know, they shouldn't be. Yeah, but it, it's too late for that. The train has come too far down the track for that because now that me, even I know Manfred recently came out saying he regretted the way he handled the investigation, giving immunity to the Astros. But if you do take away that championship down now, you're doubling down on the fact that you fucked this up, that you fucked up the investigation. And I don't see Rob Manfred being, there is nothing that he has done that has shown any level of empathy uh, that where he would sit there and take the championship away. I just, uh, I found it very interesting. Um, those comments because also in that interview Jansen had mentioned if they would have done an actual punishment like you said it still would have sucked but maybe it would have been a little bit easier to swallow and and I think a lot of it is also they are standing up for Cora because Jansen said I don't understand why he's the one that took the majority of the blame yeah he wasn't the one that took the majority of the blame because Hinch was gone for a season and Carlos Beltran lost a job out of it. So it wasn't and, just all Alex Cora taking all of and, this. The problem and, is, is the players. It was the players who were doing this. And we had Blummer from Believe in Astros. Blummer even said, he was like, the, 
the trash cans is a thing that was just indefensible, and that was the players executing that. Yeah, and and Beltron, he's he's the only one that's not back in the game, right? Everybody else is back, like Hinch and Cora. Yeah, I think Beltran is, and, is and, completely and, out of it. And Beltran, and it's gonna, and it looks like it's gonna affect his his Hall of Fame, uh, you know, status as far as he gets in or not. Um, but you know, going back to Cora, I think there was in that same article there was another thing uh, from Turner, like saying like, I mean, they have so much respect for Cora. Like Turner was talking just just very highly of Cora. Yeah, uh, you know, as a type of manager that he is, so it's like, you know, it just kind of doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, there's so much respect for Cora in the game, but yet, you know, he went ahead and did, you know, what he did. You know, it just it, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, but it's also, and Blummer said this, and I've been saying this since this whole thing happened. There were other teams, like I said in that book, the Dodgers' name was mentioned way too many times for my comfort in there yes maybe they did not go to the level that the astros went to but maybe that's how cora justified what he did if other teams are doing it then i need to do it and i need to make sure that we're doing it better than the other teams because it's all about getting that advantage right yeah i mean but just i mean i mean if you're on the team and you're like hey guys we have a system we're gonna bang we're gonna we're gonna bang over here some cans, so you know, like, I mean, you as a player, like, that that just doesn't sound right, right? Like, I mean, how would you like? I mean, you know, that's to a degree of cheating and trying to sign steal that is not is completely different than you know what? I'm on second base and I'm I'm getting a peek of the signs and I'm gonna relay. It's completely different, you know. It's completely black and white. Like, uh, I don't understand how any of those guys even went along with that. Well, I I, I, I want to end the show with this because this is a story for my compadre. Uh, when we were playing baseball when we were kids, uh, my compadre had a knee injury, and he was on crutches, and he was on the opposing team in the dugout. He couldn't play, but he was in the dugout, and he was stealing all our signs, and he was literally calling out the pitches as they were coming towards the batter. I went back into the dugout. I told my manager, I told my coach, I said, they know he knows all our signs. He's calling out all our pitches as the pitcher is throwing them. So you know what my coach did? He had my compadre thrown out of the game for safety reasons. He should not be allowed in the dugout because he was on crutches. And to this day, my compadre is still mad at Maurice for doing that because it was just like we could have changed our signs. And that's the one thing that I always forget about this story is that game four when Alex Wood pitched that gem and him and Austin Barnes switched up their signs. So that's the thing that's even more infuriating to me is like, why did Alex Wood and Austin Barnes decide to switch up their signs? And why didn't the rest of the staff do that in game five? That's what to me is not talked about enough is the fact that it was like, if Alex Wood thought, Hey, something's fishy going on. And Austin Burns is like, you're right, let's do it. Why didn't Kershaw do that in game five? Why didn't the staff? So, look, I'm not justifying what the Astros did, but at the same time, it's like it's it's about it's about coaching, right? You gotta you can't get out coached there. So, anyways, that's uh 
that's a lot of baseball talk there. We haven't done some baseball talk. We've been interview heavy uh, on the show lately. But uh, Babyface, any last words? Yeah, I mean, a lot of those interviews, too, like we wanted to put them on the show. Like we have a lot. I have tons of interviews from the gala, and I'll just I'll just drop drop some of those kind of the best of what we got at the gala. You know, we were, you know, Juan was out there asking them, you know, what that felt like. Was it a, a wedding in Quinceanera? So we got a lot of great responses from that. Just um, uh, David Perota, finally, we finally got to the question I'd been asking. It's like, why, why does he come out to 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 his walk-up song, right? Why, why did he... Why is that his song? And he, he, he explained it to us. So Yeah, so for those of you who want to know why uh, David Peralta selected the Chona as his walk-up show, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. You'll be able to, to see these interviews. You're going to be able to see content that we don't drop on the podcast. So make sure you're subscribed that way. You're also, if you once you start checking, once we start dropping those interviews from the gala, you're going to be able to hear all the love that the Undertaker gave on the blue, uh, the, the Undertaker got on the blue carpet. There was a lot of love for the Undertaker uh, on the blue carpet at the Los Angeles Dodgers Foundation uh, Blue Diamond Gala. Uh, before we end the show, uh, we don't know how we did with picks last week because the Rockies and the Dodgers series has not been completed yet. There's still one more game. Um, that being said, let's go into our picks for the following. Uh, it's going to be seven games. I think I might win this past week, though. You, was, you have a I'm chance. Four and two. I'm, I'm really close, right? Four and two. You yeah. have a chance or I have a chance because I went three and three. Okay. So if the Dodgers win the, fi- the finale with uh, Emmett Sheehan on the mound, uh, then Babyface will win and then we'll be tied. But if the Dodgers bullpen has a meltdown like they did on Wednesday, then I will win and I will take the lead. Um, But that being said, the next group of games that we are going to cover will be three in Kansas City against the Royals and then four against the Piratas of Pittsburgh. Um, I'm going to go first. Um, The fact that this Kershaw thing is up in the air makes me a little nervous in terms of pitching depth. Uh, Gonsolin makes me a little nervous. I know Urias is going to have a real short leash on Saturday. So I'm afraid the bullpen is going to get overworked. It's supposed to be hot in Kansas City this weekend, and there is rain in the forecast. So I feel that's also going to impact maybe some pitching. Uh, that being said, I think the Dodgers will go four and three on this next seven-game stretch. Babyface? So three in KC, four in L.A., right, against the... That's correct. Okay, so I'll go two... I'll go five and two. Um, I think think it's a much different... I think it's a much different Pirates team, but it might be... Tell that to the show pods. Tell that to the show pods right now. Yeah, I mean, it might be the same team to the Dodgers as well if they don't handle kind of what the you know what had happened earlier in the season but i mean i think the pirates since that time they've only won like 15 games since then yeah the pirates have really i mean they're talking about being sellers i know there's a lot of chatter on social media that the dodgers should be looking at andrew mccutcheon uh i know that uh how about rich hill exactly Dick dick mountain there's a lot of dick mountain talk 
I mean, look, I, if, if Dick Mountain can give you five innings, I'll, I'll, maybe that is something to go ahead and consider because I think you're going to need pitchers to help get you through the rest of the season the way they are dropping like flies. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Bleed Lows podcast. Again, Make sure, spread the word, guys. Let people know about the Bleed Lows podcast. Let them know, look, we're bringing, we went down to Rancho Cucamonga, and my apologies to the Rancho Cucamonga residents. I I took a low blow at you guys uh, in one episode, and, you know, I actually had fun. That was the first time I'd actually gone to a Quakes game. Uh, uh, Aftershock and Tremor greeted me. Uh, there's video of that that you can find on our social media. Um, but make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and to our YouTube channel. You all see the servidor Juan Ramirez de parte de mi colega Babyface. Nos vemos la, para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.